Yes. All right. Well, today we are joined by a legend in professional wrestling, and it's Jerry Lynn. How you doing, Jerry? Great. Uh, every time I hear someone refer to me as a legend, I think that means old. <laughs> so. Well, <laughs> you know, I I, I want to explain that a little bit, okay? Because um, something that I think is very interesting about you and your career is that um, you're legendary in a different way. And it's not that you're old. It's that you, you were around for a long time. Don't get me wrong. You're still around. But you worked in every company there was to work in just about. And every wrestler that I know, and I know a bunch of them, they all respect you and think that you are one of the best workers of all time. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a very, uh, what's the word, high compliment? Well, it's true. And, you know, I, I, I spent a little time this week watching some of your matches. And, you know, you worked a lot in ECW and, and various other companies. We'll get into a little bit of that here in a minute. But, uh, you know, one, I, one thing I noticed about you is a couple things. One, extremely smooth in the ring, uh, moves better than, you know, anybody. And, and, and that's just tremendous. And then the other thing too, is that you seem to be a, a big innovator and maybe somebody who doesn't get the credit that they deserve as far as the different styles that you combine together to innovate what we now call the junior heavyweight style. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you incorporated Lucha and, you know, and all the kind of different things that you did into the style that you, that you worked? Well, I think that all started when uh, X-Pac, when he uh, was in Minneapolis as the Lightning Kid and we had our big two-year feud, we uh, got to be really close and we'd get together just about every day and we'd watch whatever tapes we could get a hold of, whether it be Mexican, Japanese, English, wrestling, everything we could get our hands on. And we just wanted to have fun with it and try and implement in, in, a, in our matches. And so it, it just sort of meshed together like that then. And I guess we just sort of kept it going with whoever we worked with. Tried to, And I always tried to make it fun for me, too, because I didn't want to just run around doing, um, you know, the same thing all the time, like hip tosses and arm drags and stuff, which, you know, that's a part of it. It is wrestling. Wrestling's still on the marquee. But I always wanted to come up with something different. And uh, so I always wanted to surprise the fans, you know. Well, and give, and try and give them something they hadn't seen before. And and you succeeded in that. Your style is very innovative, like I said, and very like varied, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Where, um, I mean, some of the moves that you do are, are straight-up lucha moves, and then some of them are clearly American style mixed with other styles, Japanese and, and lucha stuff. And, and uh, you know, now that's what everybody does. What do you think about your place in history as an innovator and, you know, uh, and what do you see today from the wrestling that you, you know, you had a part in and kind of bring in? It's funny every once in a while when I go do an appearance or something, I'll have a couple guys, you know, who are going over their match. And a lot of times they'll ask me, they will, you, you, uh, you know, listen to what we got and give us any tips or anything. And, and a lot of, t there's been quite a few times where they'll go and, uh, uh, we want to do what we call the Jerry Lynn spot. <laughs> and I just laugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm flattered, you know, that they, they even the wrestlers liked what I did. So it, it, it's, you know, it's just flattering that even the, you know, the workers enjoyed what I did in the ring. 
What are some of the variations you've heard of the Jerry Lynn spot? Oh gosh, I don't know. You know, uh, that's tough. It's been quite a few different variations. You know, one of them's like the fish out of water spot, but I didn't really invent it. You know, I just sort of expanded on it and Lance Storm and I kind of expanded on it. We, we kind of, after a while, challenged ourselves to come up with as many in a row as possible. I think the most we came up with was like 19. <laughs> so. Holy moly. You know, we see that a lot on the indies. That That's a big variation that we see a lot of times, especially uh, during matches that are kind of high-flying type matches. Guys will get into these pin combinations, and all of a sudden they're doing the fish-out-of-water spot. And they, they, a lot of them like to do that that kind of flip, like, uh, like that kind of front flip tuck thing. Um, yeah. And it doesn't always go so well. So it's always nice to see. Um, you know, I, I'm familiar with uh, you and Lance Storm doing that in matches, and uh, it's it's always smooth as silk. And that that's something that, you know, obviously Lance Storm, tremendous worker as well. Um, you know, you had the chance to work with so many great wrestlers. Um, gosh, I, I want to get into that. But first, we got to talk about something that's very important, and that is that you have I've started your own podcast. The first episode came out today, the Front Row Material podcast, and it's you and Mikey Whipwreck, right? Right, right. Uh, Mikey is the funniest person I've ever met in my life. And so <laughs> uh, in ECW and stuff, we, we hung out a lot. And even you know after ECW, any shows we were on together, we usually get together and hang out. And uh, when he and I get together, we turn into Beavis and Butthead. So it's either that or a couple of giggling schoolgirls. But I always had a great time with Mikey. And a guy that Mike Freeland, I, he interviewed me one time and he asked me, he says, you ever think about doing a podcast? And I said, no, not really. I said, I've had a lot of people ask me if I'm going to write a book, but never a podcast. And he says, well, is there anyone you keep in touch with on a regular basis from ECW? He says, I, he said, I thought a lot of fans would like to have an ECW podcast and I said well Mikey Whipwreck and he says well you think he'd be interested and I said well I don't know and I asked Mikey and he was interested so we thought well let's just have fun with it and Mikey even said he said uh I said I said I don't want to be real serious and be like critics and critique everything and all that I said I just want to have fun he says yeah he says I want it to be like uh, Howard Stern but without the sex and fart jokes and I said well I was thinking, um, you know, knowing Mikey and I will probably still slide in a few fart jokes or something while we're at it. <laughs> so we just want to have fun with it. And uh, and we want to know, you know, we want to get input from the fans, too, and want to know what do they want to hear about and make it entertaining for them also. I mean, that's the main thing. Make it entertaining for the fans. Well, I think that's very smart. Um, you know, some podcasts, wrestling and non-wrestling, they'll come out and have like a hard line on what their format is and will refuse to be to budge with stuff like that and i think that you know and you know in wrestling you have to be organic you might be, have to call it in the ring you might have to throw your whole match out all of a sudden and do something different and uh, it's smart for you to be open to that now folks uh, first of all do not follow mikey whipwreck on twitter all right let's just get that out of the way right away okay why is that you need- well, because they they need to follow you and you only, and that's it's uh, Jerry Lynn on Twitter. Um, I know you got you had said you guys have a little bit of rivalry going on on Twitter followers. So so uh, screw Mikey Whipwreck. Let's get you know follow Jerry Lynn instead. No, and, no, uh, he, he was just giving <laughs> a hard time because I swore I would never get on social media. 
And then after we decided to do this, Mike said, well, you, you probably should get a Twitter so you can really plug this thing and get some followers and let them know that it's out there. So I had my wife and my daughter set up the Twitter for me since I have no clue. And even my daughter, she says to me, she says, uh, now, don't feel bad if you don't get many followers because you're not famous. You're not. That, you know. And uh, after about a couple hours or maybe an hour, I don't know. I don't even think it was an hour. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. She says, well, let's see what you got. And it was like 80 something. And she goes, wow. She goes, you got 80 some already. She says, well, maybe you are a little famous for a nobody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Jeez. My wife and my daughter keep me pretty humble. Uh, I mean, it sounds like they're doing a good job. I, I, you know, I can appreciate that. That's awesome. Well, so you know, would, you know, Mike and I, Mikey was, we were talking and stuff and he was looking at how many, uh, uh, followers I was getting in after just a couple of days. And he said he, he was getting hot. He says, it took me three years to get that. He said, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then we were talking one time I was, and another, I don't know, a couple of days later. And I said, well, let me see how many followers I have. And I said, uh, is 3,000 bad? And he's, he's like, shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I'm proud to report that you now have over 7,000 uh, Twitter followers, which would, I am one of those. And, uh, you know, uh, another thing that folks need to do is, is uh, subscribe to your new podcast. Uh, it's Front Row Material Podcast. And leave you a review. You'll find out that your very first review is me. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, that's a big thing for me is making sure folks get out there and put you, you know, get a review on there because that'll help, uh, you know, your, uh, podcast become more popular. It just, it just does because of the way, uh, Apple podcast works. But, um, but yeah, so you were talking about different appearances that you do now, obviously you don't, um, you don't wrestle matches anymore. However, um, we just recently saw you at rockstar pro wrestling as a special guest referee in a match between your biggest fan, uh, the baddest man alive, Aaron Williams, uh, versus a guy named Jeremiah. And, uh, as much as you want to stay out of this thing, I mean, Jeremiah forced you to get involved and you gave him a lariat and flipped him about 20 times in the air, man. Uh, you know, what, what's it feel like to get in there and work with some of the younger guys and, and kind of, you know, I don't know. It's just gotta be fun to be in there and just soak it all up. Oh, you know, it, it's fun to get in there and, and, uh, have some fun with them and stuff, but. I, you'd be surprised how many requests I get to give people the cradle pile driver still. And I got to tell them, I say, you know what, that at this point, that would do more damage to me than you. So I can't do. I said, yeah. He says, well, why don't you try that? So I tried it, and it stuck. Well, it's really great move, and uh, it's something that, you know, when you're setting it up, much like other great finishers, it's one that the fans can recognize and see coming 
a few seconds before you do it, which is always great. Um, now, that Rockstar Pro appearance was in Dayton, Ohio, and you've worked in Dayton, Ohio uh, several times with ECW. You had uh, you know, a, a big uh, match with uh, Just Incredible at Heat Wave 98. Um, tell me a little bit about working in the, the Dayton area and any kind of memories you have. Oh, that that night was special. It was, uh, you know, the crowd was hot. I always loved going to Dayton, and and I'll never forget it was at the Hare Arena, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just a, a fun night, just because of the uh, just the, the way the fans reacted, and I'll you know that's one of the matches that really stand out to me, especially in my feud with Just Incredible, especially because I got to uh, give. Uh, Nicole Bass, a ball shot. So <laughs> <laughs> that right. stuff's a lot of fun. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, you took a tombstone pile driver off the second rope. Is that right? Yeah, that was, that was a little scary. That was, uh, that's probably, you know, one of the most dangerous moves I've ever taken, but I trusted Justin and, uh, I lived through it. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things too. You guys in ECW, obviously you were part of something that can't be reproduced something that was magic that, that, you know, that happened um, at a time when things were much different than they were today. But uh, talk a little bit about something that I don't think folks talk about enough. And that is the trust that you guys had with each other. Um, A lot of the feuds that went on in ECW were, I mean, devastatingly violent, you know, and uh, I mean, you had feuds with several people that were very violent, um, but you know, your feud with just incredible was awesome. Uh, feud, but tell me a little bit about the trust that's developed when you're bonding with folks uh, experiencing these these incredible things together. Well, you usually find out real quick whether you can trust someone or not, and how they communicate with you in the ring. <laughs> so, because I don't like going into anything blind, and I can't tell you how many times someone's thrown me off the ropes, and I have no idea what's coming, and I it's just not a good feeling. But uh, so you find out real quick, and then. <clears throat> The ones you, you can't trust, boy, you, you really learn how to change things around and uh, uh, in ways you put the match together and stuff. Jeez. Well, uh, that sounds a little scary. Um, you know, I, oh, I was, you know, I was going to mention another moment that was special in Dayton was in Ring of Honor, a match I had with Roderick Strong. I don't know if you were there. I but, was uh, not. Oh, because he got busted open hard way pretty bad. He was, hey, he had a pretty good gusher, but uh, it just elevated the heat in the match and the the fans. That was when I had the the belt and the, you know, and everyone. I guess the fans even considered it a B show, which I hate hearing, you know. But so they, uh, you know, normally fans wouldn't expect a title change or anything, but just the way the the match went and how the fans were reacting. They actually thought that the belt may have changed hands that night. And it made, it made for a, one of another memorable night in my career. And that's what really makes certain matches special is how the fans are reacting. Well, I mean, that's, that's again, you know, something that was outstanding about ECW and, you know, the ring of honor fans in Dayton. Um, I actually started going to ring of honor shows a little after that. Uh, and, and they worked, uh, or they had a couple different places that they would run in Dayton. I'm not sure if this was at the Montgomery County fairgrounds. I know they played the, uh, you know, they ran out there for, for several years. Yes. They and, think it was fairgrounds. 
that that like uh, bingo hall there. That place is awesome. I've seen I saw Roderick Strong there many times. You know, I've seen many other wrestlers there, obviously as well. But that building's special, and it's like I don't know that it, sometimes when wrestling happens in a building over and over again, it's like a it's like a pan you've cooked pancakes on for a hundred years. You know, pancakes oh, yeah. just taste better on that pan than any other pan. Tell me a little bit about some of the like the places that you've gone into. I mean, obviously the ECW arena and various other places, but what, what are your favorite buildings to work in and and the ones that feel like wrestling? Oh, just any of them that were old that, you know, have a lot of nostalgia. Like I'll never forget the first time I stepped into the sportatorium in Dallas. Cause I, before I even got into wrestling, I remember watching the, the uh, Von Erich Freebird feud. And I just, and the, the building was so unique. It was like a, all the wooden benches were concreted into the floor and it was like an indoor amphitheater, the way they would all, you know, slant down to the ring. And it was, I just stood there and just soaked it all in and looked around and just imagined just the electricity in the air when the Von Erich and Freebirds were having their feud because the place would just go nuts. And, uh, and of course the, uh, Oh gosh, I can't remember. I got to wrestle in the Omni in Atlanta. A lot of history there. Um, uh, center stage in Atlanta, doing the TVs and stuff. Um, there's a building in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. I think it's just called the Arena or something. But uh, I've wrestled there a few, quite a few times, and a lot of history in that building. I think um, uh, um, uh, I'm brain farting. Macho Man's <laughs> dad. What's his name? Um, Angelo Poffo. Yeah, he used to run there. And so I, you could just imagine that just the, any building like that, you could just, it's just got a different feel, just the nostalgia in the building. And even certain, just certain cities like St. Louis, you know, um, just, I don't know, just being in certain cities, you can just, it's just, I don't know. If you, if you really have done your wrestling history and you've, You've watched a lot of different territories and stuff back in the day. I don't know. It just makes certain buildings special. Well, you can feel it as a fan, too, because everything is a give and take in wrestling between the fans and the wrestlers. And, uh, you know, when you you know, as a fan, when you're in the in the crowd and you, you know, those guys are just up there, uh, they're soaking in what you're giving them and you're you're taking in what they're giving you back. And it's it's a pretty interesting experience i mean some would say it's kind of spiritual um i i liken it a lot to like a rock concert you know it's kind of like that only instead of uh you know half the crowd booing one half of the band you know they're they're cheering everybody you know so uh but uh i mean it's pretty awesome now working at center stage um you know you i'm sure you elaborate on that oh absolutely please
and stuff. So that'll be coming. Awesome. It's all in the works. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I, I you know, I really appreciate it. And uh, have a great evening. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.